This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 184. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. My name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today? I am good. How are you doing? I'm never better. This is a show about colored pencil and the colored pencil artist. This is the second part, right, of the worst advice we've ever heard. Yes. So we've got a few things here, and I, I think some of, I think a couple of these are kind of funny, actually. Yeah. But it's things that you hear all the time. So it is. I think it's worth talking about. So the first on the list has to do with the rule of thirds. And I have heard some of the worst advice when it comes to the rule of thirds on both sides of the the spectrum, I guess. Mm -hmm. The first one is that you have to follow everything. And I'll today even still get people commenting on my paintings. Did you do that on purpose? Did you mean to put yellow in the center of the painting on purpose? Well, obviously, or I wouldn't have done it. But people get this idea or this concept that if something like, don't put anything in the center, it can't be in the center, everything has to follow the rule of thirds. And it's like, asking you the rule, I know. I see a boo boo. (laughs) Yeah, I get that a lot. But the rule of thirds is a guideline. It is usually Mm -hmm. going to look better if you follow the rule of thirds, but not always. If you follow it too closely, you can actually make something look worse. There are times when it looks best to move it, to move it to the side a little bit one way or another. Sometimes it's just better to avoid the rule of thirds. I mean, you, you've got to you've got to as an artist decide what is going to look better. On the flip side, I've heard people say, "Ignore the rule of thirds; it's unimportant." Well, no, I wouldn't go that far either. It's just so funny. I think there's a lot of confusion about the rule of thirds and how this works. It's a guideline that can be very, very helpful. And if you're somebody who has a hard time because some artists don't have a good eye for balance, the rule of thirds is a kind of a nice little cheat there that you can make your work look really balanced if you follow the rule of thirds in many, many cases. But it's not something that 100% all the time has to be followed in order to have a good piece of art. Uh, Many people that are going to be buying your art probably have never heard of the rule of thirds, and they may enjoy it and not even think about whether or not you followed uh, some rule like that on composition. Uh, There's also the golden ratio. Uh, There's a, a number of other types of ways of thinking about composition. And yeah, they can be followed, uh, and they can also be broken entirely. I remember seeing it was it was a drawing, and it was split right down the middle uh, horizontally, where you saw just as much of the sky as you did uh, the land, and I mean dead on split. It was just like nearly just a, a complete horizontal line, fifty percent up above, fifty percent down below. Some and, and I didn't think about it for a long time, and I was looking at this piece. Somehow, it worked so well. It looked so good. But any, anybody that knows uh, anything about composition knows that that's generally something you never do. You, you make it more about either the land or the water or whatever it is down below the sky, or you make it more about the sky. How do you do that? By making 
the sky the larger portion of the horizontal uh, 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 composition. So you make one-third of whatever it is to be pushed down below. Then if you're having the one-third be only the land and three-quarters of it the sky, then the composition is probably mostly about the sky or vice versa if we're talking about a landscape piece. Um, so that's a rule that can be entirely broken. And when you do that, you, you still have to figure out what is, what is the focus, where, it, where do you want the viewer to look. And if it works, it works. It doesn't have to follow some arbitrary rule. Yeah, it really all comes down to balance. Your balance may be affected by your value. It's not just on positioning. Sometimes the ca- the the way that your lighting is is going to completely throw the balance one way or the other. So centered would be the better choice. Sometimes it's going to be your colors, your contrast between those colors. Your I mean, so many different things affect everything. And to have this one rule that you think you always have to follow, or again on the flip side, where I heard the person say, "Oh no, don't worry about it. it, it it's not important at all." What? Well, yeah, no, yeah. I wouldn't go that far either. No. But yeah, it's, it's there's so many elements and everything comes down to balance. You just want to keep all of that in mind. What I typically do when I'm trying to make th- sure things are balanced, you know, step away from it. Take a photo on your cell phone. Kind of squint at it. Look at things in a small scale and decide if is anything too heavy. Like, do you feel like the canvas is being pulled down one way or another? If all of these things had weight, is it being pulled in one direction or another? How is that, you know, or is the canvas hanging straight, basically? And again, all of these different things can't affect that that so-called weight or my imaginary weight i'm making i need to stop with my air quotes when i do podcasts because no one can see them but i feel them every time (laughs) value color um subject placement all of these things have to do with creating balance it's not just as simple as the rule of thirds that is a good tip, though, to take a cell phone shot of it and look at it on a smaller screen because you're essentially then just making a thumbnail out of it and you're trying to look at it from this micro scale and just look at the overall composition. And that's flip it a, upside a down, too. To that do. will really help yeah, you to see if something's too heavy. All right, next, use a micron pen for the pupils when drawing in graphite or colored pencil. Um, now, this one's kind of funny. The reason why I think this one's kind of funny, especially when you're talking about using graphite or uh, maybe some uh, softer charcoal or something like that where you're using charcoal as a very fluid medium and you're not going real, real dark. Uh, yes, that can be done with charcoal um, or with uh, pastel or something like that. Uh, but especially like graphite or you're using some muted colors and colored pencil. And then you fire in here some entire black in the micron pen. And we're talking about portraits if you imagine a gray scale type of graphite portrait, and then you go in there in the pupils with a micron pen, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to look at those pupils and think, what happened there? Because <laughs> it will look so odd. Um, and that's one that I saw. I've seen that more than once. And I saw it again recently. I saw it years ago. I saw someone recommending that. Like, why would you use a pen in one only one area yeah. of a drawing and never anywhere else. And they're like, well, the pupils need to be the darkest spot. Yes, that's true. But there again, I want to borrow uh, from what you were just talking about, Lisa. The balance, the balance matters. And the balance matters even in mixed media as well. If you've got something that it draws the attention over in one spot entirely, then you've messed up the balance for the viewer. 
And if I'm looking at a graphite piece and then all of a sudden I see a micron pin was used or some other, you know, black marker was used just in one little tiny area, I'm going to be like, what happened there? They forgot what medium they're working in. <laughs> I don't know. It just it it looks odd when I've seen it. It's an odd thing to recommend to anybody. And uh, I I would I would not recommend doing that uh, if you're going to make the pupils darker, you know, and I'm just using that as an example because that's the one that I've seen. Then do it with the balance in mind of whatever else in the composition has a dark value. It has a dark value that is equal to the pupils or if you want those pupils to be darker, then make them darker within the balance of the composition. I don't have anything to add. That's just good advice. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Next on our list, that you need to have a bachelor's or master's in order to be an artist, or that you need to go to school in order to be a professional artist. You know, most professional artists I know, very few of them actually have a degree in art. You don't have to. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting that, but you absolutely do not have to, and I don't think the degree itself is what's going to make or break you. It's really not going to have much of anything to do with it, unless you're wanting to get into, like, teaching in public schools and such, where you'd need um, certain degrees, but if you're just looking to be a professional, like a studio artist, I know of so many artists. There was one girl I used to work with who had a bachelor's and she wanted to make sure everyone knew every five minutes. Um, But she did this constantly. We're telling everyone she had a master's and it's like, it's not impressing anybody. The people who are buying your artwork aren't impressed. It's not doing you any good. And she actually ended up working in like Macy's for a really long time in the makeup counter. I don't know if she and what she's doing beyond that, but it's like, I mean, it's not a guarantee. Getting that degree is not a guarantee that you're going to do well. It's what you do with what you've learned. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I mean, on the flip side, I knew an artist years ago who refused his reasoning that he wouldn't go to school is that he didn't want the teachers to influence his artwork. He felt that he was like a master in his own right. And the thing is, he's someone no one ever heard from again. Um, He wasn't, he he was okay. He could have been amazing, but he was so worried about being influenced by another artist that he wouldn't take any steps necessary to improve his technique or his skills. So, I mean, you, you can definitely swing too far the other direction too. But this idea that you have to go to school, that you have to get a degree is definitely not necessary. And many people, in my case, it wouldn't have done me a whole lot of good because I would have basically just put myself into debt and still been doing the same thing I'm doing now. Yeah, you know, it is a little misguided. I mean, if somebody is saying you have to have a Bachelor of Fine Arts or a Master's of Fine Arts in order to be a professional artist, uh, yeah, that could be – that's a a little misleading because, no, that's not a requirement of any kind. In fact, I I think if you're wanting to work in realism, then – and if you're really – I think that there's some things you could learn and there are some good benefits to getting a degree like that, but is it really worth, and yes, this is a real number, going $100,000 in debt to get uh, that degree? I have heard of students doing that. Uh, many of the ones that I've talked to, they've, they've talked about the fact that they never learned art. They learned uh, things that took them away from realism. They learned a lot of contemporary styles. 
and th- things like that. I mean, that's I'm not going to paint that Kurt Blanche and just say, yes, that's exactly what will happen if you go to art school. I'm not saying it that. It depends on the school and it depends on the teacher. It does. It, de- it depends on a lot of factors. But the the thing that if you're wanting to, to do realism and if you're looking at different art schools, why not try an, a respected atelier and look into that or do an apprenticeship? There are some artists that will do that. Uh, that's a little more rare. But an atelier school. Uh, that's a good way to go if you're interested in doing something like that and see if you think it might be worth uh, getting a degree. You could go and, and take some night classes. You could enroll in one class, two classes, test the waters and see what you thought about it. But yeah, don't don't have that in your mind that you have to do this in order to be an artist. Yeah, and you can take classes, too, if you wanted to learn from somebody. If you can find a teacher who is teaching and their work is what you want yours to look like, and I think that's important. Don't just go to a st- at someone who because they're a teacher. But if you find someone who, who is teaching and are, is has the skill level that you want, you can learn just as much from that, if not more in many cases. Uh-huh. Then dep- Again, it depends on the college, because some colleges yeah, I've seen amazing work come out of, but most of the time when I've seen amazing work come out of it, the, the student was already good to start with. But the, the, the right teachers can refine that skill. So... It, it's not a guarantee that you're going to go to, to college and come out looking painting like the old masters did. Actually, it's more likely that you won't. Like John was saying, you've got the contemporary art is so common. I had a student that I was working with before, and I can definitely see a change in her her work. She's doing what the teachers wanted, not what she wanted. Um, and I don't know that that's, I mean, given that wasn't her original goal, I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. Maybe. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. Um, she's been there for a few years. But, yeah, you, you definitely see this kind of distinct style that she's getting from theirs versus where, where she was. She's not really refining her skills so much. It's just changing. So it, it completely depends on the school. Almost that actually would be the argument for the guy I was talking about who refused to take classes because he didn't want to change. But um, yeah. All right. Next, you can always fix an out of focus reference photo. So the thing is, I mean, and, and I've heard different iterations of this kind of thing, like, oh, yeah, this is the one I want to use. And in this photo, though, I'm going to make this person lean over this way and I'm going to change the hand up and put it on this side of the face instead of that side of the face. And all of a sudden, you know, you're you think you're going to become Photoshop uh, and do all of these things and do all these acrobatic you know magical things while you're drawing and that's great if you're uh, you know you're wanting to do something that is just kind of i don't know uh cartoonish or stylistic or something and it doesn't look very realistic um that's going to be very very difficult to do is my point yeah i am talking about a beginner and <laughs> why not just make it easier on yourself and limit uh the amount of acrobatics you've got to do with your art to ju- and just get the reference photo at the very beginning that you you can work from. You're going to save yourself a lot of time and aggravation in, when you do that. Because I, I tell you, I'm not going to do that. And I've been drawing people for quite a while now. And I remember early on uh, thinking some of those things. I thought, oh, well, I'll just change this up. Or I've taken commissions where somebody said, I want you to put this head on this body. And then I want you to do uh, this one this one was kind of funny too i had one commission request one time this lady goes i want i want to have all the generations of our family all in one uh drawing here and then i'm wondering if we can work out some deal where i can have you come back in case 
of like uh, if somebody uh, passes away or we can update it if someone uh, ages too much or something <laughs> like that. I'm like, why, why are you kidding me? I thought it was a joke at first. It was through email at first. And then we talked on the phone and I, I, I thought, this is not a sane person. She was sane, but she just hadn't thought that one through yeah. very well. Um, but it was it was just kind of kind of uh, humorous to me. It kind of reminds me of the guy who wanted me to paint his dogs from that were alive in the 70s. And he wanted to know at what stage in the the painting process he got to start requesting changes. Yeah, Yeah, no, I don't think I need to. (laughs) You already know you want changes before I've started. Yeah, like that kind of a red flag. Huge red flag. (laughs) Well, hey, let's take a quick break. And then we've got kind of a funny one when we get back here. I wanted to talk about our good friends over at indefensivepaper.com. These are the journals that we've been raving about for quite some time now. I've been using these quite a bit lately, and I just love them. They come in either a dotted or a ruled paper on one side and then on the other side it's blank so i think they're very functional because of that they're very small in size they're not too small but they're just a real nice size to fit in your hand and when you open them up they lay flat i love that part about them as well yeah it makes it so that you can really easily work on both sides of the paper yeah yeah they're so nice so if you haven't picked up yours yet you can go over to the show notes click the link and get five bucks off of this journal or notebook the link is indefensivepaper.com slash podcast. So we've got two more things on our list. The first one, and this advice, I usually hear it from younger artists, um, that you should not be using a reference photo. If you're a good artist, you won't use a reference photo. Good artists don't use reference photos. I don't know where this idea comes from. It is the most random thing, and I hear it all the time. I get comments like that on my my videos all the time, that you shouldn't be using reference photos. If you're a good artist, you'll you'll draw from memory. The good artists draw from memory. I guess I'm a bad artist. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> you got to remain the, the term a bad photorealism artist. requires the photo. Yeah, ha- that's where that that term came from was back when we started, you know, photo- getting photographs of things was m- more easily obtained. Yeah. Um, and artists started working from photo to create something that was even more realistic. You're working from a photo. Um, it's kind of a funny idea that I hear a lot. And I, I suspect that all of our listeners, none of them would would have this in their head. I just thought it was kind of funny how common Mm-hmm. I, I hear this all the time. It's just kind of crazy. The other really, really funny one. It's the very last one on our list, which really I thought was funny. I was reading a list of just bad art advice. I was going through forums one day and somebody was saying that the wor- they felt the worst advice and his advice was actually the worst advice, which was just hilarious. But he felt that somebody telling him that having the right tools made your work look more professional was bad advice. Wow. (laughs) Delusional much. Here's the thing. Okay. So yeah, you can have someone use Crayola colored pencils and make amazing artwork. We've all seen it done. But you give that same artist professional supplies, you give them some polychromos or Karandosh or, you know, any other professional supply, that same piece, if they did it again, is going to look more professional. Yes, it is. We're not saying you can't make something look cool with poor supplies. We're saying it is going to look more professional if you use professional supplies. It does make a difference. It make, And I think that the people who get under are, are under the impression that it doesn't make a difference are people who are very new to art. They've not been doing it so long that they're recognizing subtle differences. Differences, that they can see what a difference the good supplies made. 
I think that's just a funny one that someone would think that that is uh, bad. Yeah, bad he advice. thought calling someone I, I using think that's hilarious. I, I thought yeah. so too. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. what? How? What? Of course, right, it's going right. to look more professional with professional supplies. I mean, and, and even by his, this person's own comment, they're not saying that it looks bad. Like nobody is telling you it looks bad with low end supplies. We're saying it's going to look more professional with professional supplies. Right. Yeah. And, I, you know, I've heard people talk about, well, I knew a guy that, you know, he used Crayolas. He used he used crayons even. Uh-huh. And he made some of the most stunning looking stuff. Like, yeah, you know, that's right. We've all known people that have done things like that. But if you give them something great, just like we were talking about, they're going to be able to, you know, rock it right there as well and create something that is just stunning. So, yeah, it why not just make again make things easy on yourself get the right photo reference get the right tools get the right paper and you know use good stuff from the very beginning and you're going to be amazed at uh how well you can do and you're going to be less frustrated uh yeah that's and i think the less frustrating thing is the big thing i mean i would never tell somebody oh don't paint or draw because you don't have the best supply no use what you've got get a number two pencil and a piece of computer paper and go to town use whatever you have but Mm -hmm. the con you know using the right tools is going to make your life more you know work towards being able to get better quality supplies and it will make a big difference in your work Yeah, most definitely. All right, so maybe you've thought of some advice that you've heard in the past and you thought, ah, they should have included this. Reach out to us, podcast at sharpenedartist.com. You can always comment in the show notes over at sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. This is a weekly show, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.